I'm Brandon Hull, and it's time for Freelance to Founder. When he got the orders that he was actually going to live in Bahrain by himself without me, I had to make a very tough decision about what I was going to do about the career path that I was starting for myself. And then I was at this crossroads of do I stick with my marriage and actually go with him. So I made that decision. I left my job. It was just a very emotional journey where I I started to read that book and I came home and I was just in a flood of tears. I opened the fridge and I'm looking at the rotisserie chicken. I told my husband, I said, Dave, I don't know what we're going to eat like ever, but I'm not eating that. You know, what's in the fridge? Like, I think a can of green beans is going to be our dinner tonight because I don't want to touch the rest of that stuff. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me for a new episode of Freelance to Founder. If you're new to the podcast, this is a show where I talk to entrepreneurs of all kinds. They're marketing agency leaders, online course builders, physical product inventors, software developers, all varieties. And what makes them unique is that in many cases, they started these pursuits as freelance gigs that ultimately took on a whole new life and scaled far beyond the founder's expectations and definitely bigger than themselves. Today, I talked to Stephanie Harder author of Eating Like You Give a Damn. And by saying that word, as innocent as it may sound to many of you, I'm wondering if I'm jeopardizing my clean rating of this show and the overall podcast. I hope not. Our opening excerpt was quite a bit different than we normally share with you, and that was on purpose. Stephanie faced this crossroads many years ago. Unlike others who appear on our show, her crossroads wasn't about taking a passion for an industry or taking a very specific skill set and turning it into a full-time business. She faced a life crossroads. She had a good career where she gained skills in a number of areas from real estate to broadcasting to project management, but her husband was getting deployed to Bahrain and she was also ready to overall her approach to food. Two unrelated things, but both emotionally powerful. Here we are. A few years later, and Stephanie has gone from veg curious to author of Eating Like You Give a Damn, founder of a rapidly growing Facebook group with the same title, and partner on a Udemy course that teaches others how to help us all take a more ethical approach to eating. Now, she could have just written that book and launched her course, but she's taken this more savvy approach to turning a deeply passionate issue and turning it into a really unique business. In this episode, you'll hear how she arrived at her crossroads to begin with, how she approached turning it into a business the way she did, not just the why, and stick with us till the end. You'll hear Stephanie's answers to our three-in-one questions, one principle, one habit, and one person that are an important part of her journey. Let's dig into our episode with Stephanie Harder. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Stephanie Harder, it is such a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Brandon. I'm really excited to be talking to you. So uh, big setup that you didn't just now hear uh, for why you're on this show and why people will absolutely want to listen in for the entire episode. But let's start with talking a little bit about where you are with eating like you give a damn as a business today. 
Uh, not just the movement. We'll get into that as well. But what can you tell everyone about the business today and how this consumes your time and uh, how you're making revenue from it, that sort of thing? Sure. So uh, as far as uh, from a business standpoint, eating like you give a damn, I mean, it really is mostly about the the community itself. Um, of course, it it spawned off of the creation of a book once I actually made the decision to write a book. And uh, that just came from my health coaching days. It came from a, a journey that led me into health coaching and realizing I really wanted to pack it, package this information and make it available to a lot more people. And then, um, you know, recognizing I didn't really want it to necessarily be just about me and my experience. I really wanted to pull other people's experiences into it as well. Because, um, you know, uh, gravitating towards a, a plant-based lifestyle or a vegan lifestyle is very different for everybody. And I really wanted a lot of people to really kind of um, see different perspectives of that. So it started with a book. And, and the book, um, I, you know, th thinking that that was going to be part of the, the business that was going to kind of help feed the community as far as like, you know, keep keep my bills paid and all of that good stuff. Um, I recognize very quickly that that it's there's so much more to it as far as you know, you got to go all in if you're going to sell a book or at least get a big publisher, but I self published. Um, so really eating like you give a damn started with that whole community mindset more than anything. And, uh, and then as an extension of that, it was it was, you know, me doing my health coaching as far as um, generating revenue as a business. And that happened more behind the scenes as I was pulling people out of the uh, the community of people that wanted to work with me to make this transition a lot easier on themselves. And then that later turned into what I'm doing today, which is actually coaching the coaches on how to develop their own program and help more people. So that, and that part of it, get that, a message. that part of it might be really fascinating for us to dive into, because I think there's plenty of people who feel like out there, I'm convinced there's many people out there who feel like they have a book in them. There's a belief, there's a value, there's uh, habits that they want to teach. And getting a book out there is great. The, the roads are littered with people who have written books that are fabulous in content, but have never been discovered even maybe by their target audience. And I, I think what most of us who are savvy to this at all notice with authors uh, in, in 2019 especially is that the book is the starting point for a way to engage with a community of believers, of followers, of fans who are on board with what you want to teach, right? Yeah, absolutely. That was my experience for sure. Um, you know, just to kind of uh, dial back a little bit, I mean, I just never really had thought too much about putting, you know, packaging this information into a book and kind of inserting a little bit of my story in there, you know, so that it could resonate with other people, whoever kind of gravitated towards that. Um, I, I, you know, never really like thought about that until I was at a, a business related workshop uh, one day and you know, I got to meet somebody who I ended up hiring as my mentor to teach me how to do it. And it just opened up all of these possibilities of, you know, where I could go with this and and how I could build community just based off of this one book. And yeah, and that that's how that opened that door for me is, as far as finding my tribe, so to speak, right. so that I can continue to nurture them along their journey as well. This was not the plan, though this has been an important subject to you for years now, this wasn't necessarily the plan when you go back, say, 20 years in your life. I know. <laughs> so, I, so if we go back, back in time, what did the younger Stephanie uh, imagine doing for a career for her oh, life? Wow. Well, that's a loaded question because, you know, 
if I think back to like when I was a, a kid or in high school, you know, I just I'd heard people tell me the world is my oyster, but that just kind of led me to well, then I don't know what that means. Does that mean I can go and be a rock star? Okay, cool. I'll, I'll see if I want to go do that. And really, growing up, I didn't have really any sort of direction um, that was really calling me in particular for for my life. And yeah. uh, did you? Did your parents, were your parents in very traditional careers as far as what they did for a living? I would say so. Um, I actually grew up like, uh, I, I guess we would be considered lower middle class. Um, my parents were both very hardworking, uh, blue collar. And for a while, my, my mom actually, when I, was, when I was a teenager and my little brother and my little sister you know, were born, my mom wasn't in very good health to maintain a job, so she maintained the household. And my dad, you know, he, he was a hardworking guy. He was a mechanic, and he also did paint and body work on the side. And, and, and I remember a time in, in my life when I was a teenager where he, actually, he also picked up a paper route. So he was working three jobs to support our household. So very modest um, home, but the, the mindset that I kind of grew up in in that environment was, is, you know, you have to work hard for your money. You, uh, you have to have a job. And you have to do what you got to do to make ends meet. And uh, it's very different from where my mind is actually today. <laughs> what, what did you, that's, that's interesting that you would say that. <laughs> I think the idea of hard work or being persistent about something is probably still in you. Clearly, the fact that you have been relentless in getting, evangelizing the message behind the book um, is, is an important part of your life today. So the hard work and persistence aspect is certainly still there, but maybe the way you go about it in 2019 is very different than maybe when you were growing up and what you saw in your parents. Yeah, very well said, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So let's let's move forward a little bit. You go to college, you, uh, you're getting older, and, and what, as you did get older, what is the future that you expected for yourself? Was it, was it slightly entrepreneurial? Uh, was it a little bit more traditional? What did you imagine? As I got older, I, uh, I actually started leaning more towards, I guess, the traditional uh, mindset. So let's say like my senior year in high school, I actually was uh, primed to join the Air Force. I thought I was going to join the Air Force because I had been through four years of um, Air Force Junior ROTC through high right. school. And I and really, did very well with that, right? Yeah, I did. I did. I, you know, I, you know, it's high school, but you know, I rose sure, to the ranks sure. and, you know, and I, but I really took a lot of pride in the, the leadership aspect of that. And, um, and I was also training in the martial arts at that time too. So these, these two things just sort of, uh, formed my, my mentality that, that that's probably the path that I was going to go. I was going to go in the air force. I was going to become, you know, um, a leader, you know, in that respect. But then that all sort of changed, um, when I got into a relationship that was not a very healthy one. I know now looking back, not a very healthy relationship, but, but then, you know, I, I started thinking about, well, I didn't really have a lot of like female figures that I looked up to in my life at the time that did anything outside of the traditional route. So even though I felt like I had this bigger calling to do something different, um, to, to be something um, bigger than than just kind of like the the, the wife at home, sort of, so to speak. Right. Bigger contribution, different kind of contribution. Different right? kind of contribution, yeah. exactly. Um, 
So I got into that relationship and then realized very quickly that that wasn't for me. So I still had this big calling. So I went off to become a flight attendant instead of joining the Air Force. <laughs> and and then that sort of led me down a, a different path. I was a flight attendant actually during 9-11. That sort of changed things for the airline industry. And it, and it sort of changed, you know, the way I started to view my future as well. I was traveling a lot all the time and and the schedules were changing um, because of the wake of 9-11. And, and I realized I, I needed to make a pivot. So um, I wanted a, a different sort of a career, something that kept me home, something that when I did get into a relationship again, that it was more something I could settle down into. And uh, so I started working in radio at that Did time. You, so you work in radio. So that, that's what I was yeah. going to say is, is that you could have gone down numerous paths I, <laughs> as far yeah, as that's concerned. I know. Concerned. I, mean, I was a free spirit, really, just kind of looking around for what, what was really going to, um, to, to, to keep me there right. and keep me interested. <laughs> Why was radio so interesting to you then? At the time, uh, that was really interesting. I just I met a friend through networking with other uh, you know, flight attendants and and uh, pilots and this one friend she just worked in radio she just it just seems like the coolest job she would talk about how she was going to all these concerts and she was hanging out with all these rock stars and she just loved her job so very much and it was in a, she was an account executive for the number one rock radio station in Hampton Roads FM 99 WNOR and I was like man I need to be a part of that and so at that point I just developed this relentless um, mindset that I needed to be in that job. Now, I didn't have any of the qualifications for that job at right. all. <laughs> None not whatsoever. your background, not, not your training. Not at all. But, um, but for some reason, I just felt very called to it. And, uh, and so I had to basically convince the hiring manager that I was the person that she needed to bring on board to her sales team. And uh, I did that through a campaign, actually. It was pretty cute. Uh, some of my old radio friends love to remind me that, you know, I tagged myself Steph or Staff, you know, I <laughs> created buttons and, you know, and, and created these, you know, flyers basically and passed them out through the office while I went in for my official interview to present to the hiring manager why I needed to be in that job. That's something that I'm reflecting on now and realizing, like, you know, when I when I decide that I really see the value in something or I really want to be a part of something, I do. I go all in. <laughs> all in. All in. And from yes. every angle, it sounds like you cover many bases at the same time, right? Totally. All right. Sure. So you're in broadcasting. You're in the radio world. Um, tell me about the crossroads moment. And even if we need to fast forward, you know, several years, tell me about the crossroads moment that got the gears going in your mind about the message behind the book, the message behind the course, the message behind the movement. Um, not so much worrying about writing it, you know, writing it, turning it into a book, but um, just the thinking behind it. When did you have that crossroads in your life? Sure. That's a really good question. Um, for me, the turning point was in 2009. So now we're fast forwarding quite a bit into where I had just gotten married. Um, and I was working as a project manager for a software development company. And um, I read a book. The book was called Skinny Bitch. And that book was, it, it, it's interesting because I didn't see anything on the cover whatsoever to indicate that there was anything about, you know, learning about veganism or being vegetarian or anything like that. You know, at the time I was kind of in that stage of my life where I just knew I had a little bit of extra weight packing on, even though I was training in the martial arts. I was just like, man, you know, like I got to figure out what to do about this cellulite going on back here. I've never had, I never <laughs> had to experience that before. So the, the book Skinny Bitch drew me in. But when I read it, it really opened up uh, 
this this door that I just never expected to walk through. And and it started getting me thinking very differently about my food choices. And once I started making these connections about my choice to eat certain things that I had been raised to to believe was, you know, a normal food. It's normal in society. Everybody does it. Um, I started making these connections that really just it didn't resonate with me to eat animals anymore. And so uh, that moment just made me realize like, wow, you know, if I didn't know this, how many other people are out there just like me that, you know, would react the same way? Because at the time it, it pissed me off. I mean, I was really upset. I didn't know. Nobody told me that, you know, my eating habits, the things that I grew up to eat on the Southern standard American <laughs> diet were contributing to things that just I just would never opt into myself had I known. Well, I don't even want to miss out on the first point that you made. The, the first point you made about, you know, what the, the impact with the first book had on you, it, it feels like there was an emotional resonance there that that message had with you to begin with. And then as you got into it, there were yet more layered reasons why you felt strongly about it. But it seems like it was it was deeply personal to you, not just even the uh, the global or, you know, the external reasons that might um, that other people might hop on board with today or do hop on board with today. It started something very personal to you. Was that was that a was it a rough time for you? Was it just a time where you felt like. Uh, I need to make some changes, and this this uh, this message is resonating with me. What was that time like, just on the personal side? Well, on the personal side, um, you know, my my husband had just received orders to go to Bahrain because he was in the Navy, mm-hmm. and so that was already creating a very tense time for us because we had just gotten married. We were so excited. We were in that honeymoon stage. You know, we just. We were just so in love and just so wanting to stick together. And when he got the orders that he was actually going to live in Bahrain by himself without me, I had to make a very, uh, very confusing and tough decision about what I was going to do about the career path that I was starting for myself. Because I, you know, as we fast forward, I had started to really recognize, like, I really needed to build my resume and, you know, do all the things that um, I don't think my mom and dad had ever really been taught to do. And I thought that I was going to be different. You know, I went to school, I was getting my education, I, I wanted to build that resume. And then we got married and he went overseas. And, and then I was at this crossroads of do I stick with my marriage and actually go with him because at the time dependents did have the opportunity to go and visit on a 30-day visa so um so i made that decision i left my job (laughs) and i pursued that and uh so at that time, it was just a very emotional journey where I I started to read that book and I came home and I was just in a flood of tears. I opened the fridge and I'm looking at the rotisserie chicken. I'm looking at, um, you know, the leftover pot roast that I made and I'm opening the cabinets and I'm looking at all these like canned vegetables. And I, I told my husband, I said, Dave, I don't know what we're going to eat like ever, but I'm not eating that, you know, what's in the fridge. Like, I think a can of green beans is going to be our dinner tonight (laughs) because I don't want to touch the rest of that stuff. Wow. And uh, he, you know, he totally was super sympathetic. He was really feeling my pain, but he did ask me because he was getting ready to be shipped overseas and start a whole new like lifestyle over there in Bahrain. 
And uh, he was like, so I really want to know what you've learned, but can this wait until after I leave Bahrain? I was like, <laughs> I know, I get it. I totally get it. I, you know, I wouldn't wish this stress on anybody else. So I, I just kept it. And, and, and I took that on by myself for a long time. I didn't know any other vegetarians. I didn't know anybody else who had um, did a 180 on, on what they had always eaten. And at the time, it just felt very lonely and it felt very stressful because there were all these other stressors going on in our life. And, um, and, and yeah, so that really hit home for me a lot. And, and it really started to, uh, as I continued that journey and started making the transition to something that I actually really avoided adopting was, uh, was any label of any sort. So adopting a label of being vegan was really not something that I was gravitating towards at the time, but mm-hmm. But once I actually had that awakening, I was like, you know what? I think other people would really appreciate some help with this. Because I know that when I was in that place in my life, I really could have used uh, somebody that showed me, you know, that kind of compassion to kind of walk me through how I could make more decisions that are more in alignment with what I really valued in life. And that's, that's where it started to formulate as something that I needed to build community around and help other people with. It, it's, that's pretty fascinating. That, that tells me that not only did you did the message resonate with you um for many reasons but it was so personal to you that you it's as though you paused for a moment and thought other people have got to be feeling this way as well where they want to take that first step or need to take that first step but they know it's going to be extremely hard to do it alone. And mm-hmm. so it's one thing to, again, throw a book out there. It's one thing to, to uh, evangelize a message, you know, with your friends or something like that. It's another thing to sort of walk through the process with people or go hand in hand with people or give them a chance to go hand in hand with one another. So it turns into, it turns into something that you feel like you not only want to change your own personal life, but want to go through that path with other people. What were the first steps that you put in place to make that happen? Well, when I think back to, um, when I think back to, you know, the fact that the book had an impact on me in certain ways and taught me certain things and fast forwarding to after, um, my husband served in Bahrain and I got to visit him, uh, there, we actually ended up moving to Italy and we were stationed in Naples, Italy for the next three years after that. And during that time frame. Uh, the only other, you know, source of information or camaraderie or community that I was receiving being so far removed from, you know, the American lifestyle was through podcasting. And I found a couple of podcasts that I really, really loved. And it taught me so much. And it just really made me feel like there are other people out there that are experiencing what I was experiencing and going through these things and and going through all these different processes and trying to figure out how to process it and communicate that to other people in my life who didn't really get it or understand. Right. And that's when it really started to open the door for me um, when we did move back to the States. And... Um, you know, I went through, you know, a couple of other jobs because here we are with this four-year gap on that beautiful resume that I had been building for myself. Now I had a big four-year gap on it. We moved back to the States and I've got really no new experience to show for it in this new marketplace. And uh, I ended up finding myself at a, um, uh, a personal development seminar that 
started to walk me through some processes and started to open my eyes to all the other opportunities that are out there as far as how I can build my own business and and be self-sufficient in that way. And uh, and this became the, you know, an extension of that, you know, the the book. Right. Because, you know, the book resonated with me when I read Skinny Bitch. I was like, I'd like to impart some of this information onto others as well, you know, and and help them in that part of their journey. Right. And now here we are with the podcast for Eating Like You Give a Damn. So that's the other extension of that. And uh, and the Facebook group is just to help nurture them along that journey and and get people to share, you know, recipes, get them to share their wins and their fails and just be honest and open about, you know, it's it's not easy for everybody to make that shift. Um, but we all come from different backgrounds. We all have different challenges and we all are compassionate people at heart. And we just, once we decide we want to make these changes, there's got to be some place to go for the answers as opposed to other online communities that are just blasting out all of the negativity all the time. Right related to the topic. And I didn't want that. I wanted this to be a place where people felt invited to, you know, share what they're really thinking and what they're going through. By the way, I think it's so. it's not lost on me that you have three sort of things colliding. You have this experience uh, in understanding how to build communities a little bit um, and the training side of it, that, a little bit of that with a, an important message. You've got your radio uh, experience kind of coming into play with uh, when it comes to podcasting. And then you have your sort of that emotional connection uh, piece of you that you're feeling as your husband leaves, you know, that this is a part of your lifestyle that's changing and the people, the need for people to be able to connect with people, um, one another. Like, I, I don't want to get maybe too too much of a tangent here, but the idea of launching a podcast on this may seem very no-brainer like today, but in a lot of ways it feels like to me it's particularly perfect for you given your background and where you were at in life with, you know, mm-hmm. with, with wanting to transform yourself personally. It's kind of neat how all three of those things came into play at the same time. Yeah, it is, especially, you know, and the funny thing is, is after going to this, uh, the, you know, these, that personal development seminar that I ended up at, you know, I ended up going to many other uh, workshops and camps after that and learning more about building a business out of this. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, I felt so drawn to making sure that that podcast got up and going because that's what was on my heart, you know, to to help nurture this community. And uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that, you know, I've got all these other shiny object syndromes going on at the same time because there's all these other opportunities, all these other partnerships, you know, just so much going on out there that, um that I always just kept coming back to, you know, I need to start this podcast, even if I don't know how to monetize on it right away. I really owe this to the to to my people, to the, the people that are going through these things, and they resonate with the eating like you give a damn message. So, um, but yeah, so so you know, now I'm finally, you know, now that I'm starting to systemize what that looks like. Uh, now I'm able to grow the business. You you saw it as though like you owe it to this people. I think that that tells me a lot about uh, what your mindset is in going about this. This isn't. There's plenty of entrepreneurs who, and I don't think this is. There's anything wrong with this. Who feel strongly about a, a target audience or feel strongly about a community and want to serve that community, and so it benefits them financially and it benefits the community. And there's again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's totally noble to do that. Um, but it's it's increasingly becoming clear to me that you feel this mission. Uh, I won't I'll go so far as to say you felt called necessarily, but it felt like you've had this mission that no, you're right. I need to be on the forefront of this. 
And this is even before the book existed, right? I mean, this is a uh, a lifestyle change, and this is a change for you personally. And then it's a part of uh, where you want to be a part of a group of people that are supporting one another. The podcast emerges in your mind during this time. Are you also thinking, "I've got to, I'm gonna have to put this in, into a book. This has got to be in writing." Uh, when did those gears start turning? Well, um, as far as, you know, the birth of the book, that started from, you know, a business development workshop where, you know, somebody had presented me with the idea that, um, and, and the funny thing is, is that at this business workshop, it was more of, you know, how to utilize a book as a branding tool, how to establish your authority in a unique space. Just one and, piece. Yeah. Right. That just being that one piece of, um, you know, physical, tangible content can can really open up so many doors. And so I saw that vision. Um, and, you know, and the funny thing is, is that they were talking about, you know, all the people that could do it in such a short amount of time, you know, they just sit down and they just put a book together, like, you know, they, they speak into the computer and all the words come out. And next thing you know, boom, they, they package it. And now they have this branding piece. And I got excited about the idea at first, but as I sat down to actually really start writing, I, I kid you not, Brandon, I must have written this book from cover to cover five times. I have wow. documents that are just, you know, because I, I hadn't written creatively or, or you know, um, <laughs> at all since like I was in high school. So it was just like, whoa, sitting down to write a book, this is a big thing. But I really felt like um, I, I had a particular message and I had a particular vision and I knew that I had to get it right. And uh, so it's not perfect by any means. What was wrong but... with versions one, two, three, and even four then? What, what, what was missing from that book where it didn't represent either you or the message adequately? That's a fantastic question. And I appreciate you asking it because I'll tell you honestly, um, through the very beginning of writing this book, I felt once I started to go back and analyze, you know, writing through like, say, the first four chapters – it was coming across a little angry. It was coming across a little um, because because I went back to that place in my life where I just didn't know what my food choices, uh, you know, how it was impacting the bigger picture of you know my life and the world globally right. and to animals and and so a lot of that started coming out in my writing in the beginning and. Uh, and my sister, you know, she, God bless her, I would give her the book and I'd just say, can you just read this for me and give me your honest feedback? And, you know, there was one point where she came back and she was just like shaking and she was because she's not vegan or vegetarian. You know, she sees it now. She sees the um, she sees, you know, how I live. And she's just like, wow, that's really something to aspire to. But but back then she was just like not there mindset wise. And I'm like, but you're kind of like my audience where you're sort of like introduced to it. And I just want to see what you think. She would just she was just shaking when she read like the first, you know, round of what I thought was going to turn into the book, and and I was like, this is not what I really wanted for for my audience. I mean, you at all. you appreciate the the vigor, you appreciate the energy, you appreciate the <laughs> how fervent she believes, but it's just not exactly the the person or not the not exactly the uh, response that you're hoping for. You wanted to be a little more exactly. constructive. It sounds like. Exactly. I really needed to reword some things. I really needed to come come at my audience with uh, this this feeling of care, concern, and curiosity for where they are currently in their journey and how I could, you know, make these connections with them early on in the book 
um, while also relating to where they currently are, but not necessarily like in that angry mindset, but more of like a, well, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So now how do I implement this strategically into my life when I've got all these other things going on in my life and I just don't have the time to think about what the heck I'm eating, you know? (laughs) It sounds like you evolved from from wanting to evangelize the mess, even though you might have had these, some of these feelings at times, like just the frustration, like, oh, you're kidding me. That's an, yet another reason why I don't want to do this, live this way, eat this way. Um, but it sounds like you you wanted the message to evolve from one that is very outrage-oriented or uh, emotionally driven to a little bit more logical, like take take stock of your impact on the bigger picture and mm-hmm. and know that you can still take care of yourself just fine. You're not sacrificing yourself in some way for a greater good. You're actually doing good for you as well, as well as a larger audience. But it seemed like you wanted it to evolve from be outraged about these circumstances. Instead, you wanted them to be informed and make an, a nice logical choice as a result. Exactly. Man, you're good. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking. I'm just trying to get behind the four, five total versions. The fifth version is the final one you went with. There, there had to have been a tone. There had to have been something added. But you were the one that shared it, so it just, it just felt like there was a, maybe a uh, an angle that you took, and you just didn't like the angle, and that had to finally get emer- that emerge after a few tries. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. 
you're working through the book. As you're working through the book, are you also, you've got the podcast and you've got the book um, in the works. Are you also thinking about other ways that you'll want to support the message, support the community, support the the mindset? Absolutely. So, so what I'm working on currently, as I've been um, just this past year, I just this past year, I've actually transitioned um, through the help of the course that I co-instructed with uh, another health coach um, for uh, vegan nutrition. So yep. it's the vegan nutrition health coach certification. So that we launched at the beginning of 2019. And that's where I made the pivot from just health coaching into helping other uh, vegan or plant-based wellness professionals right. to construct their message and package it in such a way that they're able to, um, you know, offer it as a premium priced program that they can run online. And and by doing this, by transitioning this way, because uh, fortunately through through all of the um, the service hours that I've put into working with Success Resources, which is the company that that I've you know crewed Karma Crew, they call it Karma Crew for, and I've learned so much behind the scenes about how to run these different businesses, but particularly in coaching um, and getting a business coaching certification there, just really learning the online online space and seeing how we can utilize that to take what they're doing one on one with their clients right now. And package that and actually be able to utilize that online. But in the wellness space in particular, one thing that that I'm that I see so oh, I see it all online all the time. There's nothing really particularly wrong with this method, but what I'm seeing so many people doing is just creating a course in the health and wellness space. And they're selling the course for a particular, you know, a certain price point. It's a low ticket offer, right? The courses, you know, are, I don't feel, because I've seen, I've seen so many of them. I don't feel like they're getting people the outcome that they intended, that they wanted, because there's there's not the hand-holding that's going along with it, right? So it's not transformational. It's essentially people with the explosion of online courses and, you know, marketing online courses in the health and wellness space, people are, you know, grabbing onto these courses, but then it's a DIY sort of a thing, and they're not getting the transformation. They're just buying information. What's amazing to me about this is um, you you opened up a door that I wanted to open up at some point. And that is writing the book is one thing. Totally understand that. The podcast, the community, totally understand that as well. The approach from a business standpoint in collaborating with people who can help evangelize the message, um, partnering with people who can help sort of get the, get the, the message out and, and incorporate it into the way they coach others. Tell me, was it the business development course? Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about how you netted on that approach from a business standpoint, as opposed to just self-publishing all of this content um, on the lifestyle, the benefits of it, and so forth, and and it just being about the lifestyle and you get the message out. Why did partnering become the the way that you wanted to go about this? Well, I I guess I would say that that actually came to fruition through um, the advice 
well, I don't know if it was really advice at the time. It was just, you know, I was in a masterminding session with uh, some some people in my community that I really admire. And it was during one of my personal and business development training courses. We were all together and we had a, we rented a condo. It was like this whole thing. Like we just have a blast doing all this stuff. But um, we're sitting around just at the table casually and just kind of masterminding about each other's businesses. And, um, and at the time, you know, he was just like, you know, you know, you're just one person and think about how many people you can affect with one person. But, you know, is, 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 does that, is that going to fulfill you? Because in a sense, for most people, most people would say yes. And all of a sudden I realized I wasn't really about to say yes to that right away. I started to think about it critically. And he's like, I see the the cranks turning in your head. What are you Uh thinking? I'm like, I don't know what I'm thinking, but you know, like I, I, I've been introduced to network marketing companies that are able to teach other people to go out and teach other people to go out and teach other people, you know, <laughs> and I'm just thinking like, you know, think about the, the, the impact that that has taking this message and impacting more people in that way. He's like, well, it sounds like you need to create an army. I was like, yeah, let's go with that. Let's create the army. <laughs> so I think that's where that kind of like just stems That felt from. good. That just, that just resonated <laughs> yeah, with you. It felt right. I got all the feels on that one. <laughs> all right. So uh, did you find in, start, in going about the process of building that army much more difficult than you thought finding the right kind of people that think like you do or that can be that what you're what you believe aligns enough with what they believe and why what's in it for them to evangelize the message talk through that process how did you begin finding those people and um and how did you make sure that there was good alignment for them to for you to partner with them mhm Well, I have to say that, you know, while it started, while this whole thing kind of started with evangelization in mind, um, I actually made a little bit of a different distinction throughout this journey as I was communicating to more people about my mission, this purpose-driven mission that I really felt called to follow. And it became more of an attraction model as opposed to, um, as opposed to, just speaking the message. So this is where I started to, uh, I did have some challenges trying to figure out how I was going to really package this whole thing. So that's why I actually brought, a, I started seeking the advice of different coaches. And and one of these coaches that I had um, towards the end of 2018, she was working me through a process where we started peeling back all these layers to like, you know, get to the core of who I was to find that true message so that I can attract the right people into this sort of tribe and more people to partner with and and really expand on what I'm doing. And one of the things that kept coming up was, is, you know, I keep t- talking about this message of compassion, but I'm also talking about like how I kind of rebelled against this old way of right. thinking. And since that kept coming up, she's just like, you know, you just sound like you're like this rebel, but there's this dichotomy because you're so compassionate and and approachable. And I was like, huh. That's probably what we need to package then, right? So this whole rebel for compassion sort of came out of that. And uh, once I started utilizing that in my messaging, um, people just started coming to me, which was really great. So when I finally decided that I was going to go, you know, put this podcast together and I've only just launched it just recently. But, you know, of course, you know how it is. It's a couple months in the works before you actually go live. And uh, I started finding like, you know, I'd reach out to to names that I never thought that I could just talk to, like just so, so casually. And they're telling me, yes, they're going to come on my show. Like, 
I was doing backflips, you know, like as soon as these people were getting back to me, like big names in the space that, that have made a name for themselves. They're doing well in their business and the plant-based and vegan community. And, and all of a sudden I just felt like, wow, you know what? This is truly a message that I am in such complete alignment with, with, you know, the direction that I'm going in. And I'm so excited just because when other people can see the vision and they get on board, I'm like, yeah, this is great for the win. <laughs> Given how many entrepreneurs I've talked to, they come from all walks of life. There are some threads that I find uh, to be consistent in all of them, even if they would maybe argue it. Uh, just from my perspective, I see that there, there are things that are similar in all of them. And I don't mean things like just persistence or resilience or belief in a message or something like that. But um, in one area, entrepreneurs like you who are mission-driven still grapple with the, the idea of whether a passion can can be or should be an important part of your business um, or if it gets to be too difficult to separate the two issues. There's the, the, the concept, the idea, the belief, the value, the principle that I believe so much in. And then there's the, I need to monetize this. Like if this is going to sustain, yep. I need it to be a business. How have you grappled with that? How have you wrestled with that? <sighs> I have wrestled with it quite a bit. Um, and I think probably the biggest thing that, you know, as as this entrepreneurial journey started to unfold for me when I, you know, I basically pulled a Jerry Maguire on my last office job. I said, no more office <laughs> for me ever again. Like I, it, it's really funny because I mean, like I, like I was talking about earlier, I was building this amazing resume and then poof, all of a sudden I had this four year right. gap. So I went back into like, when we moved back to the States, I went back to bartending until I started making other connections and could start building on my resume again. Um, but right before I went to that, um, that, first uh, seminar that sort of got me to think a little bit differently and become an entrepreneur in the first place. Well, I had just had this moment of clarity, this this sheer clarity where I was sitting in a cubicle and sure, I was a staffing manager. The, the opportunity that presented itself sounded like it was something I could grow into, but I was miserable. I was so miserable. And um it was a toxic environment for me. You know, I'm a free-spirited, creative person, and I love building relationships, making connections, and I just felt so tethered to to this job and to the way that they really wanted me to operate it. So I, I uh, finally had the last straw, pulled a Jerry Maguire on it, walked out, this is it. and and this was it. And at the time, my husband was <laughs> my husband was in school because when he got out of the military, he decided to go back to school full time. We didn't have a net. I'd had no safety net. So up until that point, I'd always made the logical choice, you know, always make sure you secure a job before you, you know, move on from the next one. Yeah, I that was the first time that I actually really just I, I had this emotional awakening and it was very clear to me that I was not going to pursue that anymore. So uh, following that entrepreneurial path, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I totally got lost in what your original question was. <laughs> I knew I was going to get no, back it was to just, it. It was just how do, you, how do you balance and how do you grapple that notion of something being a passion, but it also needs to be a business for you, you know, and, and you got you to balance your own. All right, I need to be able to pay the bills for the next six months. But this is a message I feel strongly about as well. I need to evangelize this message. And every content piece that I put out could be free or should be free because I need to get the message out. And But you got to be able to pay the bills as well, right? 
Sure. Yeah. So then that's where the coaching element came in for me. And, um, and, and really like networking and, and masterminding with other people in, uh, in like-minded communities that were building businesses and, and they were purpose-driven businesses that really had a big mission in mind. Um, you know, we just started bouncing ideas off of each other. And so really like that's where the, the coaching started to, to come to fruition, but trying, but the whole struggle, it, it definitely was a struggle because for a couple of years, like I said, you know, my husband went, you know, went back to school and it was up to me to make sure that the bills were being paid. And so I did that through bartending while I was writing the book and while I was trying to figure out how I was going to monetize on this opportunity to step into the health coaching arena and start to build this community for eating like you give a damn. So many little struggles came up along the way, but the biggest thing was for us is that we had to really learn to live lean and, uh, and we just had to lean out on, on pretty much everything we were doing. We were also doing uh, real estate at the time, learning real estate investing. And so we had flipped a couple of houses and, and that was cool and fun. You know, my husband took on that project. Stephanie, you're scrappy. Um, so, you're scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's this, a pretty this, good way of defining me. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's just you. Maybe I shouldn't give credit to to other people. I should just give you credit to you. But it does still go back again to your what you called your sort of middle class roots. You know, your blue collar roots. Is that listen? There, you just nothing can be beneath me right now. I've got to be willing to do anything. In order to yeah, whatever to, it takes. to bridge this gap between where I'm at right now and where I'm gonna be <laughs> down down the road, right? Exactly. And I think the biggest thing to help me get through that whole thing was holding on to the bigger vision of what our life was going to be like once we emerged, you know, from 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 setting up what I'm setting up. Because in the sense I'm setting, you know, in the sense of getting this message out, I'm also building systems. I'm building a system for my business, and I have a, a, I'm very intentional about for Q1 of 2020 to make sure everything is systemized as far as the business um, coaching and consulting is. Concerns, so that way I can scale that and grow that. So just knowing what the um, knowing what the big vision is for what I'm working on is really. And my husband's been on board. Oh my god, he's so amazing. He's been on board with me through this this crazy ride the whole time, and and putting all of his faith in me, and and just you know we're we've been both okay with having to really get lean, so that we can really. Um, really start to to take risks and and risks that are necessary in order to move forward as scary as it is as much fear as we've had around it but being able to get past you know one hurdle after another has been definitely a fun ride let me tell you <laughs> you say you say getting past these risks and and maybe maybe we need to explore that here and as we hit our our home stretch here but it sure feels like to me numerous steps along the way, you've been faced with these moments where you've got to figure out, all right, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do here? What am I going to do here? You could have gone a different route numerous times. And in some cases, even if you didn't have a whole lot of background in online business building or things like that, there's other more traditional routes, actually, you could have gone um, that we've already explored in this conversation. And, And it feels like to me, you evaluate risk a little bit differently, or you just evaluate your need to step up and make a decision may be different than the average person. Have you ever thought that about yourself? 
Um, I have only because I really admire the type of people who are entrepreneurial minded, like, you know, from from youth, <laughs> the ones that were actually taught to go out and, and you know, exchange goods for for money or exchange services for money. I mean, I was taught I had to go like pretty much the day after I turned 15. My dad took me down to the uh, the mall so I could get a job at the candy store. So, uh, you know, so ever since then, I've always thought, okay, I got to work for my money. And even then, I had to do chores around the house before that to earn money. So um, just in in the fact that I appreciate people who are more uh, entrepreneurial-minded just because they, they had a different upbringing, um, that's something that I've had to, you know, unprogram from my own mindset uh, over the past few years as I've been on this journey. And, uh, and, and I don't know, that's... I guess it's turned me into the scrappy it's, person. I think it's in your about. DNA, but some certain I guess certain maybe. moments in your life have called upon you to summon up that out of your DNA, maybe just a little bit, and l- lean on certain <laughs> attributes just a little bit more, maybe than than others. But um, one thing that I didn't mention at the beginning of this show, and should have at some point in time, is from a timeline standpoint, the podcast is relatively new. The book came out earlier this year. So this has been a, a a longer journey, the culmination of which has only recently occurred in the year 2019, for heaven's sake. So this is, this is I feel like so much of your future success is still ahead of you, despite the fact that oh, yeah. there, there are hundreds and even thousands in some cases of people who are benefiting from the lifestyle uh, directly from your work, which is extremely cool. It's got to be gratifying as well. But as you look ahead, and I say to the next 12 months, but it's still in some ways darn close to the first 12 months, um, given when the book came out. But as you look ahead to the next 12 to 18 months of what the brand needs to be, separate from what who Stephanie is, just the brand that you're building um, behind the book and the the community and everything, um, what do you feel like needs to still happen for you to fulfill what you want it to be, which is that people are a little bit more intentional about their their eating choices and you know not just doing it for themselves but for the impact that they'll make as well how do you see the the business needing to evolve over the next 12 months to fulfill your vision so um again since eating like you give a damn is sort of an extension of my business uh as far as the business coaching is concerned behind the scenes um so for for eating like you give a damn just being able for that message to kind of grow on its own. And there's so many avenues that I've kind of passed up to grow it, like paid methods and and things like that, because I'm counting on that growing organically. And it has, which has been really cool to see. It's grown organically up till now. Um, and and as far as the business is concerned, you know, this this mission of mine um, here in the next 12 to 18 months, you know, I, I envision by 2020, I will have helped my first 100 uh, plant-based or vegan service providers earn five-figure months, earn their first five-figure month. Because to, to many people in the space, um, you know, especially, especially coaches, you know, they just can't wrap their mind around that. They're, they're really struggling yeah, they're really struggling with that, um, you know, mindset wise, as well as, you know, system wise, like, how do you do that? How do you attract the right client, you know, that's willing to pay a premium price? And and it all comes down to the transformational element of that. And 
making sure that I take these first 100 people that I'm going all in on and just making sure that I give them all of me to make sure that they're actually earning the dream business and living the dream lifestyle that they have always wanted because they're going to go out and impact more people than I can as one person. How can you spread yourself? How can you multiply yourself to be a resource in terms of coach your own personal coaching that you provide them and maybe even the uh, digital and, and other resources that you provide them so that they can continue to feel like they've got a scalable, not, not that you may, even, you may even use that term with them, but they have a scalable business that they can build something significant. Exactly. And that's the whole thing too is, you know, I mean, I've, I've hired a coach who's helped me to understand that what I can, I have the capability and the tools and the resources to build a multi-million dollar business just from coaching. And, you know, that is a long-term vision for me. Other people are doing it much quickly because they're very much, um, you know, they're, they're, they're very, you know, well targeted with who they're targeting, you know, that, that really can buy into that very easily. For me, I know that I have a little bit of a challenge with my group. Um, you know, a lot of the people in the plant-based and, and vegan arena right now, we're working on mindset shifts. We're working on deep programming some of these limiting beliefs about money in the Mm. first place. And once we get past that hurdle and they realize that they, they can actually, um, you know, stop struggling, you know, to get clients, stop struggling to pay the bills in order to do this work that they so love, but they get this set up to a, a model that is scalable. And now they can, you know, the sky's the limit. They have the capability of turning it into a multi-million dollar business if they want to. But I find many people don't. Many people in this space, they would actually, they want to be comfortable. They want to make sure that their lifestyle is taken care of because they want to go out and get the speaking gigs and go on the big stages and, you know, and, and be able to afford to start the podcast, you know, and just expand on the message even further and create more of a bigger impact that way. Do you have a goal over the next month, over the next year or so to dramatically expand the number of people that you coach as well? Uh, or is it going oh, yeah. deeper with those that you coach? I would imagine it's obviously that one as well, but is it, is it dramatically to scale up the number of people that you coach? At this point, yes. At this point, I'm in the position to scale up and and reach more people. So that's my 2020 goal is 100 um, plant-based or vegan service professionals and get them to that place where they're making a comfortable five figures per month on a regular basis. So making sure that... um, that these coaches understand that we have a responsibility to step into our power and really help these people overcome these big health challenges because we can, you know, it's not just for the promise of, Oh, you're going to, you know, you're going to slim down and look great in that bathing suit by summertime. You know, it goes so much deeper than that. And and, and in a lot of ish, in a lot of cases, it deals with a lot of different um, deeper emotional issues related to uh, food choices. Yeah. So it goes even beyond normal habits. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your story, Uh, not just the personal story that got you doing what you're doing today, which is genuinely a passion business that is, uh, it's one of those moments where I feel like somebody should absolutely pursue their passion as opposed to sometimes the wisdom people get is, ah, don't worry about it. You don't have to be passionate about it. Well, this one, it's important too. And and I'm, I'm glad that you're seeing the fruits of that. And I hope the next 12 months go exactly like you want. But I can't let you go until we do our final segment that I warned you about, our three-in-one segment. 
we we we're it's a newer segment for us. We've only done it about five or six times, but I've loved the answers that we've gotten from each of our guests as I've asked them these three questions, and they're one simple answer for each of these three questions. So, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's dig in. One principle or value that you believe that most people don't. I'd have to say um, that we create our own reality. And this is, this is definitely something that I've shifted to, to really understanding on a deeper level as, uh, as, as I've gone deeper with personal development and understanding that all of the uh, decisions that I've made over the course of my life have led me right here to this point in my life in this moment. And it's up to me on where I go next. And... I know that I didn't used to feel that way. I used to think that I was a victim of circumstance, you know, and I just had to roll with the punches. Um, and I, I still hear that from people, and, and I kind of want to grab them and shake them and say, no, you can decide. You create the reality. And <laughs> when the challenges come up, you move through them. That means you're on the right track. <laughs> All right. Uh, one behavior or habit that you try to stick to no matter what. Okay, so I'm not really like the woo-woo kind of person, but I'm going to say meditate on this one. <laughs> That's fair. That's a good one. I, I hear nothing but good things about it, and I, I do that in my own way as well and, and absolutely can validate the, uh, the benefits of that. Taking time to just let tune out the world and tune into what's going on inside. I love it. All right, and then the last one is one person that you most admire that you take your cues from in life or would 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 like to pattern your life after? Mm. So I'm just going to have to go with my 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 immediate response on this, but I feel like it warrants a little bit of an explanation. Uh, Gwen Stefani from No Doubt, really. Um, and this, okay. So I have to explain myself here. So we go back to when I was a teenager, and just a girl hit the radio. Now, I, I remember telling you that, you know, I kind of came more of a traditional mindset, even though I felt very rebellious against it, you know, the traditional mindset of, you know, the man goes and does the work and he's the breadwinner and the woman, you know, she does what she's got to do to get by and take care of the family at home. And and uh, when Just a Girl hit the radio, that totally was like, oh, man, this is my anthem. You know, this is kind of like this is this is my big F you to the whole, you know, the, the mindset that I just didn't want right. to fall into because I felt like I just, you know, needed to, to be someplace different with my life. And, uh, and so fast forward to, you know, even at this point in my life, sometimes I just go back to that song and I go back to this whole vision of, you know, um, remembering that I, that I am this rebel up for compassion. Right. And, uh, you know, she's, Gwen's got this whole sort of persona that's, you know, she's doing push-ups on the stage. She's climbing up the rafters. She's very, like, tomboyish in the way that she right. delivers things. And and me, like, you know, like, I have to get in touch with that part of me sometimes. So it's okay to be feminine sometimes. But then I've got to also harness this masculine energy, this rebellious energy that I have inside of me in order to move forward and stay in alignment with um, with my mission and what I value in life. Yep. Channel different sense. parts of you based on what is needed in the moment in some ways, right? Exactly. So it's not so much like, you know, this is somebody I idolize because I want to, you know, necessarily be like them in their career or anything like that. This is something, this is more about drawing an energy out of me that, 
that sometimes I can tend to suppress as I go through my day-to-day life. And I got to pull that badass out of me at times so I can move forward. (laughs) Stephanie, that is an awesome comment and one that will close out this episode in the best possible way. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Brandon. You're awesome. All right, that was the story and the live real version of Stephanie Harder, author of Eating Like You Give a Damn. Stay tuned for next week as we bring you the story of Spencer Hawes, founder of Niche or Niche Pursuits.com, original founder of Longtail Pro Software and anti online course guy. You'll have to catch the episode to find out why I say that. All right, if you enjoyed this episode, give us your rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're an actual subscriber, not just a listener to this one episode, wherever you enjoy your podcast. And tell a friend or three or five, recommend us, and reach out to me on Twitter at Brandon Hull. All right, thank you to my co-producer, Preston Lee, founder of Milo, an admin of the Milo Mastermind community on Facebook, as well as our incredible assistant, Bilal Abrar, for helping put this episode together. And to our friends at the Podglomerate Network. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week on Freelance to Founder. 